1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. We're going to look in the first five verses. And so we are uh, beginning a, just for the whole month of February, February, we're doing a new series of messages called Walking in Light of Love. And uh, so we're going to take a look today about, about love, its importance in our faith, and why we as believers, those of us who are followers of Jesus, why we need to be people who practice love. Um, whenever I was a, when I was a kid, I used to, I loved comic books. And uh, I remember, let's see, the, some of the comic books, you probably, some of you who were a little bit older probably remember reading some of these. I remember, y'all remember the Archie comic books, loved Archie, uh, Richie Rich, um, that was one of my favorite ones, uh, Hulk, that was about the only one that I would read that was sort of the superhero guy. Uh, but one thing that I remember in the comic books is they had an ad in them, I, now I, y'all might be surprised to know this, I do not read comic books uh, to this day. So I'm not sure what kind of ha- ads they have in there, but they had one ad in there. Every comic book had it. It was the Charles Atlas ad. Y'all, do, do any of y'all know what I'm talking about, Charles Atlas? All right, I remember uh, you'd read through that little comic strip and be like this little skinny guy going to the beach with his girlfriend, and a big guy, a big muscular guy would come over and kick sand in his face. And because he was you know, so, you know, so small, you know, there's nothing he can do. And, of course, the girl gets up that he's with uh, because she's so shallow. And she gets up and she walks off, you know, with the guy who's really big and muscular. Okay, so this guy gets motivated. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he starts doing the Charles Atlas weight program. And so the next time you see him in the comic strip, I mean, he is as big as a train. And nobody wants to mess with that guy because he is so, you know, he is so strong and powerful. Now, that was the mo- y'all, that's the motivation for why I'm so big today. Uh, because of Charles Atlas program, and so anyway, so I, you know, I look at that and I was like, yeah, that's kind of a kind of a cool thing. Everybody here, you know, I would say in general, wants to be a person who is. We want to be strong, you know. We want to be people who are not going to be pushed around. We don't want to be in a situation where we are going to be vulnerable to you know to like evil forces out there in the world. And so we want to be built up so that nobody's going to push us around. Now that makes sense to me. But that same kind of idea, I, I really believe it needs to also be included in our spiritual life. You know, in, in our spiritual life, we should be a people that have a desire to be built up, to be strong, to be filled with, you know, so to speak, spiritual muscle, so that whenever life comes at us, that we're not just going to crumble and fall. Now, now here is sort of my fear right now, and, and I'm speaking just in general. I'm not speaking of anybody specifically or any, any specific churches. I just believe that in general, when the world looks at the church, what they generally see, especially in Western culture, is, is like a 90-pound weakling. And that we, that we just sort of get shoved around by culture, and we don't really do a whole lot, and we don't have a, a real desire to be stronger, we don't have the ability or capability on our own to stand up and to be strong. And I really think our world today, what they, what they need to see from Christians is Christians who have strength and, and Christians who have power because it is God who is inside of them. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And he's talking to the Corinthian church, and in, in chapter 14, Paul is really encouraging them and moving them towards being spiritually fit. 
And in this five verses that we're going to read, we're going to see Paul laying out for them some ways that they can get in shape spiritually. And, and I think, and I really believe what he says here, it, it still applies to the church today. And so that's why we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And, and if you read through 1 Corinthians, one of the first things that you will notice as you go through the book is, first of all, you'll notice that Paul talks about them as being a very gifted church. It's like God has gifted you. You people, you are blessed. You have a lot of strengths and a lot of things going in your favor. But when you continue to read through 1 Corinthians, you'll find out that they were also a very immature group of believers. Uh, now, while they were gifted, they were not really using their gifts for anything except for themselves. And they just showed a lot of self-centeredness, a lot of selfishness in their lives. And, and so here, Paul is like, hey, I want, I want y'all to move from being, you know, spiritually weak. You know, I want y'all to start moving into some strength in your life. And so he points out a, a few ways for them to get in shape spiritually, and it applies to us too. So, so how do we get in shape spiritually to where we make a difference? Well, here's what I noticed that Paul says first. He says, first way for you to get in shape is it begins with you pursuing love. And, and if you look in verse number one, it's real easy to see. Verse one, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and above all, that you may prophesy. Now, as I said at the beginning, Paul pointed out that they were a very gifted church. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Paul wrote this about them. He said, I always thank my God for you because of God's grace given to you in Christ Jesus. He said that by him, he says, you were enriched in everything. He says, in all speech, all knowledge. He says, in this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, hey, this is good news here. This is really, this is a heady compliment. He says, you are not lacking in anything because God has given you everything. You are very gifted, but while they were gifted, they were really immature. So, so what was the problem here? What, why were they immature? Well, while they were gifted, they, they were really sort of enamored with themselves is what happened. It sort of reminded me of that, uh, that old Mac Davis song. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. You all know that one? You know, when you're perfect in every way. If you know people who sing that and they're serious, those, are, those people aren't a lot of fun to be around. You know, because they just, they just really are, they're really full of themselves. They feel good about themselves. It, it reminded me of what uh, President Teddy Roosevelt, his, one of his daughters said this about him. She said, every time dad went to a wedding, he wanted to be the bride. And every time he went to the funeral, he wanted to be the corpse. Now, if, you've, if you're ever around people like that for a long time, you're just sort of like, you know what, I just don't really enjoy being around people that are, you know, that are that focused on themselves. Okay, that was the Corinthian church. They were really gifted, and they were really blessed, and they knew it. And they wanted people to look at them going, look how gifted they are. Look how you know, God has really blessed them. And that is a person that is really spiritual. And what they were doing is they were, they were using their giftedness in order for other people to be impressed with them. And, and there's a problem with that because what, what we do when we do things like that is we are moving attention away from the God that we serve and we are putting all of our attention upon ourselves. 
It's selfishness. When we do that, it's immature. So what are we supposed to do? Well, if you go back to verse number one, Paul told the Corinthians, here's what he told them to do to get in shape spiritually. He said, pursue love. That word pursue, it means to run after. So if you're going to be in shape spiritually, what you do is you run after love. Paul did not say you run after attention. Did not say as Christians that we run after people noticing us so that people will pat us on the head and say, look how good they are. He said you run after love. Jesus gave this command to us. In Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, it says an expert in the law asked a question to test Jesus. He said, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? What did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now, why is that so important? You know, why is it important for us as believers to be a people who love? Because that's what will get you in shape. When you love others, when you run after love, it will get you in shape spiritually and it will give a demonstration that you belong to Jesus. You know, the greatest indicator that shows that you are a follower of Jesus is that you're a person of love. Uh, In the 1980s, probably one of the most popular bands that there was was Van Halen. I'm sure you've never heard of them, uh, but uh, I did not say Van Hagar. You know, I said Van Halen. So for all of you purists out there, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I read an article about them, and it said that they, at that, the time in the 80s, they had probably one of the most sophisticated rock shows that there was. And so in their contract, they said right in the middle of their contract, they had a clause in there that said that they wanted a bowl of M&Ms. And you might have heard of this before. But in the M&M bowl, they said, but we don't want any brown M&Ms. And so that, there was a reason for that. A lot of people thought it was because they were, you know, they were just you know, super arrogant and cocky or whatever. But there was a reason for that. They put it in the middle of their contract because they knew that whenever they walked in and they saw that bowl, and if it, if it didn't have brown M&Ms in it, they knew that the contract had been read. And they were meticulously following what was in the contract. Now, if they saw brown M&Ms in there, they, they said we had to check out everything that they did because we knew they did not read the contract well. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If you walk with Jesus, people are going to notice it because you're going to be a person of love. Because you're going to be a person that loves others. Now, if love is not in your life, then you better go back and check that contract. So Paul says, if you're going to get into shape spiritually, he said, you will pursue love. But then he says, if you're going to be in shape spiritually, he says, then you're going to use your giftedness as well. And then that goes back to verse 1 again. He says, you want to pursue love. And then he says, and desire spiritual gifts. And above all, that you may prophesy. Now, if we desire to be strong spiritually, and I think most of us as believers in here would say, yeah, yeah, that's a desire that I have, then one thing that you're going to do is then you are going to use your giftedness. You're going to be active in the gifts that God has given you. It's what Paul told the Corinthian church. He said you need to use your giftedness. Now, the reason why is before they became followers of Christ, they were, they were involved in paganism. You know, they were from Corinth. And I've shared this with y'all before, but in Corinth, it was the home to the temple Aphrodite. 
And so for all of you who are really big and up on your Greek mythology, y'all remember Aphrodite was the goddess of what? The goddess of love, right? So we're in February, so that's a good thing. So we're talking about love. Now the goddess of love, though, it, she was not, this was not Christian worship. At this big temple that they had, they had over a thousand temple prostitutes at that temple. So that tells you quite a bit about where their focus was. Their focus was on themselves. Their focus was on pleasure, was on self-gratification. And so they, they struggled. Those new believers, that's the lifestyle they came out of. So living for self, and now they're following Jesus. And Jesus says, no, now you live for me. And, and they had to switch their thought about God of what is God going to do for me? Now they had to begin to look at things differently and say, how can God work through me? And, you know, I, I, I do this. You know, there's so many times in my own life when I look at God as though he is my personal, my personal genie. And so there's times when I get convicted about my prayer life. And, you know, there's a, I mean, I'll look at my prayers and I think, it's like, Lord, here's your checklist for the week. And Jesus, this is what you need to do for me this week. Now, if I have that kind of a mindset, you know, that, that mentality, that there is something wrong with that mentality because it is very self-centered. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself, but if that is where all your focus is all the time, then that's not healthy, that is selfish. It's a type of mentality that leads to zero growth. It's, it's like a child. You know, some of the, one of the first words they ever learn is mine. It is selfishness. So Paul says, if you're going to grow, since you've been given spiritual gifts, use them, be active with them. Because without activity, you're not growing. If, if you're not, if not using the giftedness that God has given you, then you're not going to be in shape spiritually. You know, people only get in shape when they actually move. You know, I've never seen a person who said, you know, I want to be in shape. I need to lose 50 pounds. And they didn't get up and walk in the mirror. He goes, oh my gosh, look, I just lost 50 pounds because I said it. That, that doesn't happen, right? The only way that it happens is if you actually get up and to exercise. That's what Paul's saying. To grow spiritually, you must exercise love because if you don't, he says, and you get complacent, and you begin to atrophy. I read a, a story that in the late 1950s, the digital watch was presented to the leaders of the Swiss watch industry. They dominated the, the watch market, and so they were trying to make a sell to them. And they listened to their pitch, and after they listened to them, they said, hey, you know what, we're not real interested. You know, we're doing really well um, on our own. Uh, as a matter of fact, before 1940, 80,000 people worked in the Swiss watch industry. 80% of all watches were made in Switzerland. So they're like, okay, we're doing good. We don't, need any, we don't need to do anything different. And so the guy that had come up with the digital watch, he then went to a competitor. He went to Seiko. Well, when Seiko received the pitch, they said, we're going all in on this thing, and it transformed the watch market. As a matter of fact, today, when it used to be 80,000 that worked in the Swiss, Swiss watch industry, today less than 18,000 people work in it in Switzerland. Uh, when they used to have 80% of the business, now 80% of the watch business takes place outside of Switzerland. Now, if, if you want to be strong spiritually, if you want to be solid in your walk with God, we, we can't become complacent and just sit back and say, eh, I don't really need to do anything. Because if you do that, you're going to atrophy. So that's why Paul said, 
So if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to be strong spiritually, pursue love. Love people. Love God. It says, and practice your spiritual gifts. And why we want to do that? Well, that, that brings the third way that we become strong spiritually so that we can build up others. Our ministry is to build other people up. Uh, verse number two. It says, for the person who speaks in another language is not speaking to men, but to God. Since no one understands him, however, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. He says, I wish all of you spoke in other languages, but even more that you prophesied. And the person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in languages unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Okay, now I just read those, and that's just like, you're probably like, blah, 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 blah. I have no idea what that means. Okay, and that because when I first read that, that's exactly what I thought. It's like, what in the world? You know, pursue love, and then start talking about languages. Okay, so I'm going to give you all, this is, I, I know that you could, we can do a whole big series and lessons, a lesson on this, so we're going to do 32 seconds. So I'm just going to give you a real brief little synopsis, maybe we can address this later. So they're talking about speaking in languages. Other versions, it's tongues. Y'all ever heard of that? They had the gift of speaking in tongues. What is that? A couple interpretations. One, maybe it's an ecstatic utterance. You know, they're saying things. They don't understand what they're saying, but you know, the Lord does. Angels do. Uh, another view is that tongues is a known language. Okay, so, uh, so here's my interpretation. This is my interpretation. I believe it's, I believe it's a known language. And so that's what the people that were um, in Corinth, that's what they were practicing. They were speaking a different language that they had not studied, and God miraculously gave it to them. So they were practicing. That was one of their gifts. Um, 1 Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect your gifts. So that on the surface, they're doing a good thing, but actually they weren't. And the reason why is because they were not using their gift in the right way. They were using their gift to build themselves up, but not others. That's what verses 2 through 5 talks about. Using your gift to build up others, it's not just for yourself. Okay, if you want further study about that, we'll talk about it some other time. So that's my 32-second lesson. Now let me try to give you sort of a way that I ex kind of explain this. Now, I don't know if it's a great illustration, but it popped into my mind a few days ago, so I'm sharing it with you. Uh, my uncle came to visit us one time. This is years ago. We just moved here, and uh, he's from Texas, and he wanted to eat Mexican food. So he says, let's go to a Mexican restaurant. Um, so where we grew up, we, we like Tex-Mex. Okay, they don't really have that here, especially 30-something years ago. And so we went to like a San Jose's, or you know, it might have been Garcia's. Was it, maybe it was, y'all remember Garcia's? Oh my gosh, horrible. Uh, so if you know Garcia people, they're great, but it was terrible Mexican food. So anyway, so we go in there, but they actually had a guy that was in there, and uh, he, he didn't speak really that good of English, and uh, so my uncle... Um, ordered, he said, hey, I want a burrito and rice. You know, he's from Texas. Everything's bigger and better in Texas, yada, yada, all that stuff. And I want a burrito and rice. So they, the guy, okay, he takes his order. He comes out, and he brings him an enchilada and refried beans. Okay, so my uncle's like, no, no, that's not what I ordered. I want, I want a, uh, a burrito and rice. So the guy comes back. I'm not lying. He brought him two enchiladas. So at this point, my uncle's frustrated because, you know, he's from Texas, and he knows how to do Mexican food. And so he says in a loud voice, he said, know what I said is I want a burrito and rice. and Because he thought if I say it louder that the guy's going to understand it. And I'm sitting there going, he's not going to understand what you're saying. Uh, so, but he, now he knew that, but it made him feel better. 
because I said it louder, and so surely he's going to figure this out. Okay, it, it just made him feel better. It didn't help the guy understand. Okay, now that's how the Corinthian church, in a sense, that's how they were practicing their gift. I'm just going to say this louder. It's going to make me feel good, but it's really not going to help anybody out. Well, Paul tells us in verse number 5, he said, you are to use your giftedness so that the church may be edified. So you don't use it for yourself. So you use your giftedness in order to build other people up, to strengthen people. And, and he says one of the best ways to do it, he said, desire the gift of prophecy. Okay, now you're like, okay, so now we're going from tongues, now we're talking about Psychic Friends Network. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, when it talks about prophecy here in this text, you know what prophecy means? It means you take God's word and you explain it in a way where other people understand what it says so that they can take God's word and apply it to their lives. Now, it's not flashy. It's not anything that you look at and go, that is really cool, but it's something that actually is a blessing to other people. It is something that builds them up. That, that is our calling as a church to edify people and because it strengthens people. When people know God's word, it strengthens them. You know, that's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who what? It strengthens me. I get God's word, when you know God's word, it is, it is encouraging to you. Now, how, how does it encourage us? Well, one of, one of the first verses I ever learned, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, instead of just like, like, like that rolling off our tongues, if you grew up in the church, you memorized it like that, if you take time to think about it, it's powerful. God loves you, and you believe in him, you will live forever. Do you think that's encouraging? If you know God's word, it encourages you. Now, to know that God loves us and that he came here for us and that he conquered death for us should empower us. Because what we learn as you read through scripture is that God is, God, God's not going to be defeated. God is invincible. In the book of Colossians, it says all things were created by God and all things are created for God. So then that leads me to this question. Are you living your life in such a way that you're building up others? Are you living your life in such a way that you are helping more and more people know Jesus? Or are you just living for yourself? Because Paul's purpose for this part right here in this letter is for us to be strong in Jesus. And he says, hey, here's how you get in shape spiritually. You pursue love. You pursue love. And then you use your giftedness, and you use that giftedness in order to build up others. And as you do that, he says, then you will be in shape spiritually. So are you in shape spiritually? You know, what kind of shape are you in? See, God desires for us to be in shape, and he wants us to be in shape so that we can have the endurance. As The world's going to throw a whole lot of stuff at us that will wear us out and wear us down. But he wants us to be strong so that when the world throws the best it has at us, that we will be able to endure through it and see the promises that God has for his people, knowing that God never lies. And we can point other people to him so that they can find God as well. Now, for some of us, we're believers, and, and we say, you know what, when, I, when I'm really honest, I'm just not in that great a shape you know, spiritually. What do I do? I think there's a couple things you can do. I think one of the best things that we can do is to 
dig into this book. How do I dig into it? Okay, here's a, here's a help that we have in our church, V-group ministry. And you go, go to the V-group and make a commitment. That you're gonna, you have to make a commitment. It's just like anything else. You have to make a commitment. You know what? I, I really do want to grow spiritually. How do I do that? Become a part of a V-group ministry. We have V-group fair today. Uh, you can, you can do, there's some tables outside. You can check out the V-groups that we have. You can do it, you know, that number that you text it to. But it's just a group of people who get together and we look at God's word and we talk about it together and how it applies to our lives. Okay, what else can we do? I think another thing that's really good for us to do that grows spiritually to help edify and build other people up is pray for people. You know, pray that God will touch and work in the lives of your friends who don't know Jesus. And then you, you need to be the tool that God uses in order to invite those people to come into the church so they can hear the word of God, to come to a V group with you so they can see Christians that fellowship together, that care for them, that will be praying for them. Uh, for some of you, you, you need to be involved. Some, some of you, you need to be up here singing. You know, we, have, we have our band here. We have uh, the choir that's over there singing. Some of you, you're gifted. You have, you have musical abilities. You need to be up here. You need to use your gift. Now, not, not for you, but in order to edify other people. Now, there are others of you, and you say, you know, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, as we tell you something, if you want to find freedom, and you want to find purpose and meaning, give yourself to Jesus. Jesus.